This week on the Love Good Podcast, we're going to be diving into our first principle in the art of being human, which is wonder. Everybody, welcome back. This is Jimmy Mitchell. I'm so very excited to have you joining me here in this season seven of the Love Good Podcast, which has been quite an adventure. Last week, we introduced Let Beauty Speak, The Art of Being Human in a Culture of Noise, which is a book that I've been spending several years working on, actually, but the last couple of months, the last four months in particular, uh, been furiously writing. It's been a really beautiful but very intense process. And this is also the foundational uh, course for Love Good Academy, which you've been hearing about. And I, I, at this point, I actually owe all of you an apology, because if you listen to last week's episode, which very much set the stage for Love Good Academy, we went through the introduction of Let Beauty Speak, The Art of Being Human in a Culture of Noise, all of which was great. Um, however, I told you to come back, to circle back on Black Friday, where we would have deals out the wazoo. I believe that was my exact phrase. And well, here's my confession. Um, we... I uh, did not quite have our new website ready for launch, as intended, on Black Friday. Now, I could have pulled an all-nighter at some point, maybe Thanksgiving or the day before. I I could have, you know, pounded it out and just been a crazy machine and made it happen. But I realized that if I did that, I wouldn't be living the principles of this book. I wouldn't be living the principles of Love Good Academy, which is the principles of evangelizing through beauty that that require uh, you know an, an integration of work and leisure and community and friendship things that I didn't want to be a hypocrite about when we actually launched this thing so we are probably a week away from Love Good Academy being up and running and therefore from our new website being accessible and by the way it's almost ready it is beautiful everything about where Love Good is going right now is filling me with so much excitement and so much zeal. But I did want to just offer that apology because for anybody who came to our website or tried to hop on my social media and find some of these deals, uh, they they did not actually exist yet. Uh, in my brain, certainly, and certainly uh, maybe in all of our hearts. But in reality, all the deals will come in about a week. Uh, Mid-December is now the plan. Uh, the, the beautiful winter package is going to go out to all of our patrons at that point, uh, as will uh an invitation to open up an account with Love Good Academy, this premier formation platform, right, for Christians who want to be apostles in our culture of noise, who want to evangelize the world from the inside out, specifically through beauty, which we can all probably agree is the most important uh, and the most powerful evangelical tool in our times. And if you missed that, listen to last week's episode. I, I really dive in to why beauty matters and not only the role that it plays in our own deepening of conversion, but also in our evangelization of culture. So now that we're diving into the first principle, I'll be back here in just a moment to unfold, to really uh, dig into this idea of wonder, which I would say is a foundational principle for any of us who want to cultivate our humanity, live it to its fullest, and then invite other people into, again, what we call this art of being human. So I'll be back in just a few moments as we dive into our first principle, wonder. Welcome back, everybody. Again, if you listened to last week's episode, you're probably realizing that uh, you don't want to sit through me reading my book episode after episode. I I wouldn't want that. I I can't imagine you would. 
Um, but what I want to do is I, I've actually got my, my book in my hand, which many of you, who are all of you who are patrons for that matter, will soon have it in your hand as well. Again, it's called Let Beauty Speak, subtitled The Art of Being Human in a Culture of Noise. It, it dives into these 10 principles. Today we're going to talk about wonder, and though I'm holding the book in my hand, and though I might occasionally read an excerpt, I am by no means going to do what I did last week and just read all of chapter one to you. This is not an audiobook. Maybe one day there will be an audiobook version of Let Beauty Speak, but that day is not today. Um, this is a really exciting place to start, though, this idea of wonder. It's foundational to me, not only as a Christian, but as a human being. As soon as I lose my capacity for wonder, for awe, for asking big questions, I mean, what kind of life am I even living at that point? Uh, if I reach this point of thinking I've got it all figured out, then not only do I sorely lack humility, but I'll lack any real sensitivity or openness to beauty, the encounter that we all can have with, with childlike wonder day in and day out, uh, with reality, right? Uh, wonder is how we approach reality, and it's very different from, I'll call it fantasy, right? This kind of fake reality that sometimes we get lost in, um, particularly if we are struggling with any kind of personal issues or addictions, we can fall into an escapism type of mindset, but, but wonder keeps us connected to reality. And I'll tell you more about that in just a moment, but I open up this chapter and I open up this principle with a pretty fun story about going to New Zealand. And this happened four times over the course of three very short years, which I realize makes me a, a very spoiled man, right? To have been to the other side of the world, really to the end of the earth, four times in three years. But on one of my most recent trips to New Zealand... Uh, which would have been before the pandemic, a bunch of young people took me out to see some live music. They knew I was from Nashville at the time. They wanted to treat me to some live music. I thought, this is great. We're going to have fun with this. And sure enough, within the first, I don't know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes of this little music festival that was taking place at the Botanical Gardens in Wellington, New Zealand, I couldn't help but think, okay, this, this is in Nashville. I mean, Nashville is spoiled when it comes to live music. We have 200 live shows a night in that town. Uh, it was good. It was good. But at a certain point, we were all kind of ready for an adventure. It was my last night in the country, and we had just come off of an incredible week-long camp with Life Teen, which is a massive Catholic youth ministry apostolate, for those who haven't heard of it, uh, which is very unlikely. Many of you have heard of it. Uh, but as we decided how to best spend this last evening, at least of mine, in New Zealand, uh, I brought up this everlasting question that I've had. Ever since going to New Zealand the first time, I've heard about glowworms. So I asked these guys, is there any way you guys could actually show me some of these fabled glowworms? Because I'm on my fourth trip, and I'm not really sure I believe they exist yet. And I must say my American Southern imagination was imagining something akin to lightning bugs, right? But they said, okay, let's, let's go on a glowworm hunt, a glowworm expedition. And I really had no idea what to expect. So we begin this this long walk down these footpaths there at the Botanical Gardens. And we're moving farther and farther away from the live music, farther and farther away from humanity, it felt like. Suddenly we were pretty isolated, you know, the 10 or 15 of us, uh, walking down these uh, very dark footpaths. There wasn't a lot of light in any way. In fact, I remember pulling out my phone to use as a flashlight, and at a certain point they said, Jimmy, you've got to turn that off. If you want these glowworms to come out, you've got to keep your light off and you've got to be quiet. Now, I think I was giving them very much an impression of being a rambunctious American at that point. They were used to me making a lot of noise. They were used to me kind of uh, always kind of being in the mix, right? Being in the mix of it all. 
And so they said, okay, Jimmy, turn off the phone and stop talking. And we continued walking darker, darker, and darker. Uh, and at a certain point, I thought, okay, maybe this is a big prank. Maybe they're about to walk me off a cliff. Maybe uh, they're going to, I don't know. Uh, next thing I know, I'm going to be in a, a lake or something, right? Uh, my eyes were very slow to adjust, but I realized that, okay, I just need to trust this process. I need to step into this. I need to let my childlike wonder and awe be in high gear. And, you know, there's something about being in a very foreign country, very far away from home, that allows some of this wonder and awe to happen, to, to be cultivated very naturally. And so I'm trying to be open to this, right? And at a certain point, one of, the, one of the girls whispers to me, she says, Jimmy, come here. And I immediately follow the sound of her voice, and she's kind of walking me up to this to this ravine. I'm kind of like looking down at this massive ravine of dirt, and I'm thinking, okay, what what am I looking for here? And uh, she says, just be still and focus your eyes here. And surely, uh, in a matter of seconds, one by one, I saw these, these piercing lights come out of the ravine. And it looked like, okay, not so much that I was staring down at dirt, but rather that I was looking up at the stars. And out of nowhere, I was beholding what I would call a constellation of glowworms. And what's crazy is, again, you know, I had been to New Zealand multiple times. I had traveled all up and down the, the northern islands specifically, been all over Auckland and Hamilton and Wellington and uh, the countryside in between. I had been to Hobbiton, right, where they filmed The Lord of the Rings. I had seen so much of that beautiful country, but I had never seen these glowworms. And yet again, I was in awe and wonder. And it forced me, I think like any encounter with beauty, to ask the big questions, right? To really wonder, okay, what is my life all about? If, if God could be capable of creating glowworms uh, on the other side of the world, and I could somehow have just had this, you know, week-long experience with all these incredible youth and young adults from across New Zealand, all of us having experienced our own deepening of conversion during this summer camp, you know, if, if all of that could be possible, imagine what the Lord's will was for me, what the Lord's plan was for my life. And it, Though I'm definitely not in a season of life that, you know, uh, comes with a lot of opportunity for discernment. It's not like I'm in college or in my 20s trying to figure out the rest of my life. At that point, I was still forced to ask the big questions. And there's something about beauty when we encounter it. It leaves us in this state of awe and wonder, and we just get automatically more philosophical. I mean, how else can you say it? We just start thinking big thoughts. And you know, this reminded me of a lot of key moments in my life where I was asking big questions, where I was sort of wondering what life was all about. One of the first times that it happened was when I was a freshman at Vanderbilt. You know, I was in college. And I remember going across the street, you know, across from my freshman dorm into a fraternity house. And this was sort of a typical thing for a freshman to do at the time. And so I thought to myself, okay, uh, I'm at least looking for a good time, looking for friends, looking for meaning, maybe looking for happiness even. Let me start searching for it. And really within the first few minutes of being inside this fraternity house, I had a beer in each hand, and I frankly think a decision to make. You know, what kind of man did I want to be? What kind of college student was I going to become? You know, it seemed to me that those four years were formative, uh, and therefore the first few weeks, very decisive. I've heard this said so many times that, you know, who you become in college is often who you remain for life. It's that formative a season of life. And so, for whatever reason, I decided to set those two cans of beer down, and I walked away from uh, beer pong, 
And I walked away from that fraternity house and I just started walking across campus. And sure enough, I ended up meeting this uh, very talkative uh, Baptist uh, who went on to become a very good friend. And I could tell, for whatever reason, he didn't need alcohol for a good time. He was a pretty intense guy, but but also a really joyful guy, a really loving guy. Like you could sense that this guy was happy, that there was something authentic about him. And I just remember being struck by the fact that here he was with no alcohol seeming in his system, and yet very quick to sort of bring me into the fold of what he was just getting off the ground at the time in the form of a Christian fraternity. Now, this Christian fraternity went on to become the biggest fraternity at Vanderbilt. By the time I was a senior, we threw a party one year that had 1,500 people coming in and out of the door at one point. 1,500! And it was a dry party, as in no alcohol, which was a a beautiful reminder. 25% of the student population at Vanderbilt was looking for a party like that, looking for a good, clean, wholesome fun uh, and it wasn't being provided in any other forum, any other format. And so it was an amazing thing to have met this guy who then inspires me to join this Christian fraternity that totally changed my life, turned me very much into the man that I am today. And it was years later that this same guy called me out of the blue and started asking all kinds of questions, specifically about becoming Catholic. And before I knew it, I was connecting him with a priest. Uh, about a year later, he became Catholic. And well, now he's actually a, a transitional deacon on his way to becoming a Catholic priest himself. I, mean, I bring up this story because it all began with a little bit of awe and wonder. It all began, frankly, with hungering for more. This is what wonder does. It reminds us that we're made for more. You know, we're made for more than beer pong. Uh, we're, we're made for more than just a, a life unexamined a life without profound purpose, that all of us are in fact uh, made for glory. We're made for greatness. Uh, And we have big questions that we all should be asking at every season of life. You know, where did I come from? Where am I going? And what is my life all about? I'll also never forget the the chaos of buying my first home and inviting seven of my best friends to, to live in this intentional Christian community with me. I'll never forget you know, my, my first date uh, or, or starting my first business, you know, these were all like calculated risks that, that pulled me out of indifference into action. And again, they all began with this kind of spirit of contemplation of wondering, okay, what is my life all about? Now, at a certain point in this first chapter of Let Beauty Speak, I, I quote uh, a century-old letter by Rainier Rilke. This is an Austrian poet who was hugely influential in shaping Pope St. John Paul II's theology of the body. And I find it really challenging because sometimes in my own impatience or in my sense of entitlement, I feel like I, I always deserve answers to my questions. Uh, maybe that's just the former you know, uh, student right in me that, that is sort of always looking not just to ask questions, but to get answers. I can sort of have a, a transactional relationship with wonder, as if to say that it's always meant to lead to exact answers um, and objective knowledge. And while that's obviously true when it comes to the faith and when it's you know, coming to many of the things that matter in life, there's also certain questions uh, that simply have to be, to be held up as, as a bit of a mystery. Many of the most profound questions leave us in that perpetual state of wonder, which doesn't mean that they're like puzzles to be solved, but rather realities to enter into. So that's what this quote by Rainier Rilke 
is all about. And again, this is from a letter that he wrote to poets, and it begins like this. Have patience with everything that remains unsolved in your heart. Try to love the questions themselves, like locked rooms and like books written in a foreign language. Do not now look for the answers. They cannot now be given to you because you could not live them. It is a question of experiencing everything. At present, you need to live the question. Perhaps you will gradually, even without noticing it, find yourself experiencing the answer some distant day. End quote. I love this. Again, some questions are full of infinite mystery and demand lifelong contemplation. This is particularly true when it comes to discerning God's will, when it comes to really exploring many of the most important questions of life. We have to have a a spirit of humble contemplation. So here's some questions for you to consider, you know, where maybe the halfway point of this episode. What is your life all about? You know, like, do you have a profound sense of freedom and purpose when you get out of bed every morning? Uh, Do your friends bring out the best in you? Are you actively discerning and living your life mission? Our work and leisure, sometimes we, we consider these opposing realities, but are they integrated in your life, right? These are the kind of questions that we're going to dive into and all the principles that follow. But, but first and foremost, wonder is calling us to simply live intentionally, right? To, to no more just idly drift through life, to no more just passively accept all things as they come our way, but to live with intentionality and wonder, what I would call like a, a holy curiosity. You know, think about like a kid as he's jumping out of the arms of his, well, maybe not out of the arms, out of a tree into the arms of his dad. You know, there's a, there's a freedom and there's an abandonment there. Uh, it comes with that spirit of wonder and of trust, and ultimately with, with humility. That wonder leads to the, the foundational virtue uh, that we all need before we can pursue any of the rest, which is humility. Um, but you could also say that there's no real openness to these encounters with God and these encounters with beauty uh, without humility as well. So these two things have a lot to do with each other. Um, I think it's worth remembering that we, we kind of live in a world that is constantly demanding answers. You know, I'm thinking back to so much of the political turmoil and social strife of the last couple of years, specifically the summer of 2020, right? Kind of nonstop season of racial tension and violent riots all over the world. And there was a lot of people who, who took those demands for justice and, and twisted them into their own agendas. I mean, I remember vividly seeing, you know, historic churches and, and government buildings aflame that summer. I remember being in Nashville and having a, a citywide curfew uh, retail stores being looted without shame. It, it just kind of felt like even social media became a mob scene. And what none of us had enough of during that stretch, really beginning with lockdowns in the spring of 2020, but certainly throughout that summer, we didn't have enough prophetic witnesses. We didn't have enough uh, voices out there reminding us to be humble, you know, to humble ourselves before God and, and before each other to allow, you know, curiosity and wonder to lead to loving dialogue rather than just alleviating our consciences with virtue signaling. Uh, It was a hard time, I think, for many of us, and for me, a wonderful and important reminder of how critical it is 
um, to never lose our sense of wonder. You know, for me to to never put uh, social media or social justice over soul to soul evangelization, to never forget right that prayer is always more powerful than activity. That, that loving dialogue is always more powerful than shouting. And so I think there's a, a wonderful. Um, gut check here for all of us, even according to Robert Cardinal Seurat, that there's there's something in us that really hates silence, and, and it's the noise of our society entering into the noise of our soul, and really making it easy to forget the the great power of silence. Uh, Cardinal Seurat puts it like this: He says, "Our world no longer hears God because it is constantly speaking at a devastating speed and volume in order to say nothing." Modern civilization does not know how to be quiet. Noise is a deceptive, addictive, and false tranquilizer. The tragedy of our world is never better summed up than in the fury of senseless noise that stubbornly hates silence. This age detests the things that silence brings us to. Encounter, wonder, and kneeling before God. End quote. I think it's also worth sharing this beautiful quote from Romano Guardini, a very famous theologian who deeply influenced the last three popes, Pope St. John Paul II, Benedict XVI, and even our current pope, Pope Francis. And he said this, The greatest things are accomplished in silence, not in the clamor and display of superficial eventfulness, but in the deep clarity of inner vision, in the almost imperceptible start of decision, and quiet overcoming and hidden sacrifice. Spiritual conception happens when the heart is quickened by love and the free will stirs to action. The silent forces are the strong forces. End quote. I find this so helpful, right? That life isn't always about having the right answers, you know, but having the right questions. This humility born of wonder, it's very attractive, it's beautiful. It triggers infinite desire in the souls of those that we encounter. I would say it helps us radiate the beauty of God in the world, and suddenly people are curious. They want what, they, they want what we have, right? They see our, our stillness, perhaps even our silence, certainly our contemplative wonder, our childlike awe. They see that, and they want it. And it's actually very freeing, because suddenly you don't have to have an answer to every issue that happens to come across your newsfeed. You know, you don't have to be making constantly splendid arguments on well-known blogs, right? It's not necessarily about social justice or political action anymore, all of which is great. And hopefully our lives will include many of those things, but we will remain forever ineffective without humility born of wonder. So when we're talking about this art of being human and this first principle of wonder, uh, we're talking about being children. I mean that in the the purest sense, right? Uh, Children who are wildly abandoned to God as a father, you know, who are living into the joy and and the freedom of their salvation, um, and recognizing that God is in fact the one who saves us, and that we are just his unprofitable servants. There's a certain freedom here to even become one with the beauty that we seek. And this reminds me very much of a, a beautiful talk that Pope Benedict XVI once gave about beauty. And he described beauty as an arrow, an arrow that pierces the heart, that you could even say wounds the soul, 
And then again, it leaves us in a state of awe and wonder to where we can't help but want to trace the arrow back to its source. So if all of us want to cultivate awe and wonder in our lives, uh, this is what is, is necessary, in fact, to be apostles in a world that is so um, closed off, certainly to truth and to goodness, but it can still be pierced by beauty. Uh, it begins with our own cultivation of awe and wonder in our lives. In fact, at one point, Benedict XVI, he quotes this Byzantine theologian, I believe it's pronounced Nicholas Cabasilus, who wrote this in the 14th century. When men have a longing so great that it surpasses human nature and eagerly desire and are able to accomplish things beyond human thought, it is the bridegroom who has smitten them with this longing. It is he who has sent a ray of his beauty into their eyes. The greatness of the wound already shows the arrow which has struck home. The longing indicates who has inflicted the wound. End quote. You know, you could put it like this, that if beauty is the arrow, wonder is the sharpening stone, right? Wonder is what jealously guards our childlike response to beauty. It keeps our hearts pure and vulnerable so that beauty can wound us with maximum impact. And if you've especially listened to the last episode or been a part of Love Good for a while, you recognize that beauty is not just found in music and books and art and architecture. It's not even just found in the beauty of God's creation. It's most powerfully found in the beauty of holiness, the beauty of Christians living their lives with wild abandonment to God the Father, you know, who never allow their hearts to, to grow cold, you know, who are totally tuned in to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, which are so necessary for our own sanctification, but frankly, even for the salvation of others as well. So Dominicans put it like this, great Dominicans, they always say that wonder leads to knowledge, and knowledge is, is what leads to love. So you could say that, you know, wonder is necessary groundwork to even uh, progress or frankly reach the full potential of the Christian life. You know, I'm also reminded of these pilgrimages I've led to Europe in the past. There was this one group from Indiana several years ago, particularly a group of young men from this parish that all were sort of swept away with this idea, this, this dream of becoming great saints together. And, you know, every day we would pray at the tombs of Catherine of Siena, Philip Neri, St. Cecilia, Peter, and Paul. And I felt like every night their hearts were full of wonder as they dreamt about transforming the world to the beauty of holiness. I mean, we've got to captivate this world before we preach to this world. We certainly got to captivate them without condemning them as well. This is so critical because we're also living in a very sensitive time. You know, people are very sensitive, you know? They're quick to cancel everything and everybody. So, you know, how do we pierce people's hearts, sort of even at times bypass the intellect and really uh, elevate people's souls long enough to help them consider the possibility of God, of God's existence, of God's love? of God's providence. You know, has there ever been a greater need for saints to rise up in the splendor of holiness and, and point the world back to God? In my mind, you know, this is sort of what we get to live here and now every single day with childlike wonder. We can bring heaven to earth. You know, we can incarnate it into our lives and pierce people around us. Not, not literally, but, but spiritually pierce their hearts, right? Uh, and, and help them trace 
the wound of beauty back to the arrow, who is, of course, God himself, the author of all that is true and good and beautiful. So I I find this uh, foundational, obviously, to our continued journey through these uh, principles in the art of being human. We've got to get wonder right. And the reality is, you know, we can't let it run wild either. That even uh, wonder, uh, as I mentioned at the very beginning uh, of of the show today, it, it has to be, in a sense, tempered uh, by virtue. Otherwise, it leads to fantasy or what we might call non-reality. You know, I've had times where wonder leads to kind of unfettered dreams, right, that, that can degrade into idols very quick. So, you know, next week we're going to talk about this principle of freedom, which is all about uh, virtue, interior freedom. It's all about virtue. Uh, but, you know, suffice it to say for now that without wonder, we'll never encounter the beauty that we long for. That prompts us to ask the most important questions in life. You know, we'll forget that we're made for more. We'll forget to live intentionally and stand in awe, right, before the mysteries of life. So these questions, you know, what am I made for? Where did I come from? Where am I going? We might think that these are the humble questions of philosophers and poets, but they become our questions as well with just a little dose of childlike wonder. I'm going to close this with a few practical ideas of how we can cultivate wonder in our own lives. Uh, I got five ideas for you. Number one, go for a hike or spend some time in nature this week. You know, if it's getting cold where you are, and you might have to figure out how to be creative with that, but we got to let the beauty of God's creation enlarge our soul, you know, cultivate our sense of wonder. Especially if you live in a big city, you got to get somehow into God's creation. I would say once a week, otherwise you're going to go crazy. You're never going to have a, a childlike wonder if all you ever see every day is is concrete and skyscrapers. Number two, be intentional about curating music, books, movies, and art that keep your wonder alive. This is so important. I'll get into this particularly under our principle of leisure, but what we consume really does matter. And it either cultivates wonder, or I would say it it slowly chokes it off. Number three, we got to, I think, read. It sounds so basic, but we've got to particularly read what I would call gospel-inspired, gospel-infused fantasy. This is a wonderful way to end every day, even if it's just 10 minutes from the Chronicles of Narnia or the Lord of the Rings or uh, my favorite right now, the Wingfeather Saga by Andrew Peterson. This kind of childlike fantasy, right, is so important for cultivating our imagination and and keeping wonder alive. Uh, Number four, whatever your next trip looks like, make it more of a pilgrimage and less of a vacation. What, What do I mean by that? Just Make sure you prioritize beauty, adventure, and wonder. It doesn't matter where you go, just make sure there's lots of opportunities to stand in awe and to remember your littleness before the greatness of God. And then number five, this is huge and very challenging for many of us, myself included, because I love technology, but go on an extended technology fast. Maybe it's giving up social media, maybe it's giving up screen entertainment. You know, we're here at the beginning of the season of Advent, which is a penitential season, so it's a perfect time to commit to prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And when it comes to fasting, for many of us, perhaps the, the harder thing than fasting from food would be fasting from technology. And we all know this, but you know, if you can, if you can make it three weeks, you've very likely uh, changed your habits. But if you can really make it for three months without something, uh, it'll rewire your brain. It'll truly change your life. Uh, I've also got some book recommendations, but I'll, I'll save that for those who have the book in their hands. Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed this first full-blown installment in Season 7. I'll be back just in a few moments to say a few closing words about 
uh, how to become a patron and how to get your hands on not only this book, but also some incredible coffee roasted by our friends uh, at Rembrandt's Coffee in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'll also tell you about how you can get your hands on the brand new vinyl from Need to Breathe, which is called Into the Mystery, which is the perfect album to come alongside the, the launch of Love Good Academy. And I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. But thanks for tuning in. And again, I'll be back next week to dive into the principle of freedom. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. This was a fun sort of, uh, we'll say, initial dive into the principle of wonder. If you want an even deeper dive, obviously, you've got to subscribe as a patron so that you can access Love Good Academy, our brand new online formation platform for all of us who are serious about bringing beauty to the forefront of our life and evangelizing our post-Christian culture. Uh, it's so needed. It's so necessary. Uh, and I'm really uh, very excited to announce that uh, within the next week to 10 days, we'll have a brand new website. Uh, we'll have this beautiful new uh, Love Good Academy up and running. The first several classes in this first course called Let Beauty Speak, titled after this book, will be available to all of our patrons. Uh, and again, our, our winner package will be going out to patrons as well. It's a little bit delayed, so thanks to all of you for your patience. But that package, which includes a, a brand new album from Need to Breathe, that includes the brand new book written by me, uh, also uh, incredible freshly roasted coffee, French vanilla specifically, from our good friends at Rembrandt's Coffee in Chattanooga, Tennessee. This is an amazing package, but I must say the most important part of it, the most exciting part of it, is the launch of Love Good Academy. So stay tuned because by next week, I'll have really uh, very specific instructions on how to set up your account with Love Good Academy if you're already a patron, and or how to become a patron if you're not yet one, or how to upgrade your patronage to include some of these incredible, incredible gifts uh, that maybe uh, you won't get access to anywhere else. That's especially true for my book. You will not be able to buy this anytime soon. It's only available to Love Good Patrons. So God bless you guys. Have an amazing first week of Advent. And again, I'll be back next week for an initial dive into our second principle in the art of being human, freedom. <laughs>